You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. So this week, we're going to try something new. Uh, I've been thinking about wanting to have the opportunity to talk about some of the articles and Friday forwards that I write about in a more informal setting. I thought the podcast would be a great place for that. So joining me to help facilitate is Mick Sloan, my chief of staff, who also produces this podcast. And he's going to ask some questions to help frame our discussion of this week's Friday Forward, which was titled History Lessons and published yesterday. Really excited to be here. Uh, as you said, longtime listener to the podcast, excited to finally be on it. Uh, let's just start right off the top. For people who haven't read this week's Friday Forward History Lessons, uh, what's the post about? Yeah, the post is is sort of picking up on some of the themes and discussions that, that are coming out of our educational institution over the last couple of weeks. Uh, particularly uh, the events over the last couple of months. But it's actually a, a trend that uh, I think a lot of us have been hearing about. I've been reading about sort of what what people are being taught and, and the role of history in our education. And I think, you know, for someone like me who's been to school 25 years ago, uh, I, I missed a lot of the changes on on college campuses. I, I have a kid on the college campus now, but but in terms of uh, how things were being taught, um, became a lot more aware of it the last couple of years. Books I've been reading, particularly Coddling of the American Mind, uh, which I've written about in a Friday Forward, and uh, also uh, What's Our Problem by Tim, For- Tim Urban, which I also read about in a Friday Forward. But at, at a high level, you know, it seems that, you know, when we're talking about history these days, we're telling people that uh, everything about there's a narrative that everything about their their present self uh, is defined by by history, kind of like it's hardwired. And I think it's a very different viewpoint than we've had historically about how we learn from history, learn from it, get smarter, get better. But that we're sort of responsible for our own lives and and what comes after. And it, it does seem like, particularly in some uh, uh, educational corners and 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 in higher education. Uh, it's really changing what we're, we're teaching people. And I think it's uh, not a change for the better. And so you mentioned that you've read a couple of books about this, The Coddling of the American Mind, What's Our Problem, or the two you referenced, if listeners want to check them out. What about this concept is really personal to you? Like what prompted you to take this idea and put it in a Friday Forward? It's been hard to kind of hear this narrative uh, around some of the the uh, viewpoints and opinions uh, around the events of of the last couple of weeks, and and why they're not about what actually happened, but they're about this uh, narrative of the lens of you know oppressor or oppressed, and that you can kind of only be one of the two, and that things seem very binary uh, in a world that is super nuanced and in a conflict that is super nuanced and that should have empathy on on all sides uh, for, for people involved. But the way that, that a lot of people seem to be looking at it in the academic community and the things that they've been taught is it's just black or white. Um, and, and, you know, that just, just has not self, <laughs> sat well with me, I, I think, with other people. And I think it's, it's required peeling back a little of the onion a little bit again in terms of what, what, are, we, what are we teaching people? And, and 
um, particularly, you know, in the, in the U.S. that is supposed to be the land of opportunity. Uh, I think there's a great opportunity to learn from our mistakes in history and in leadership. What did other people do wrong? What were the mistakes? How do we learn from them? But we don't we don't live in the past. We're not defined by the past. We tend to be responsible for our own lives and accountable for the things that we do in the present. And there's definitely a version of, of what's being taught in schools today that that differs pretty far from that, where you're kind of not really responsible for anything you do and that anything that happens to you uh, is is, you know, came from from things that happened to generations, potentially even before you're born. And I, I just don't find that very empowering. I think it, it it's a, also a kind of a victimization mindset. And it doesn't feel like it puts people in a place to be advocates or entrepreneurs or problem solvers, um, even understanding those those lenses of things that that happened in the, the past and notwithstanding those. But it, it feels like we generally need to be focused on on how we move forward uh, and, not, and not living in history, but learning from history. So I want to double click on something that you said in there. The, the concept which is talked about in the post of having this victimization mindset. And what do you think that that looks like in an educational context, which is one of the ways that you've talked about it in the post, but also in a professional context? And as someone who has led a pretty large company and who has mentored people and who has has helped people overcome some pretty huge mistakes that they've made in, in their careers and had to learn from those without being defined by them. Yeah. I think if I, if I, if I thought about great coaches that I've heard, uh, you know, talk about or great leaders or, um, uh, you know, Duke basketball, Mike Krzyzewski, there was a Friday forward about sort of next play. Like, don't worry about the last play, worry about the next play. I really can't, I, I, I know a lot of leaders who help, you know, focus on learning from mistakes, but I can't find a lot of examples where people have said you really should just focus on the past um, and that the past defines who you are. You know, the shot you missed yesterday defines who you are today. The thing that happened, you know, to your demographic defines who you are today. Um, and, and, you know, I've when, I, when I've heard a lot of stories, too, of people um, including a couple of weeks ago, someone who was faced with horrible discrimination uh, and, and growing up and, and, and broke barriers and has done amazing things and become a huge George Raveling, a figure in our society. He was just incredibly grateful uh, for, for the opportunities and generous and how he could pay it forward and how he could make changes. And I was thinking, you know, how would his life have looked if he adopted the mindset of, of, of sort of victimization? I, I just, I don't, I don't see how that helps us move forward. Again, I think it's important to learn, but I think I think agency and empowerment. And when I work with people and I'm trying to help coach people on my team, it's about it's about propping them up and making them feel like they're in control. Um, no, it, no one wants to feel like they're living a life that's not their control and it's pre-programmed or otherwise. I I don't think you'd find a lot of credible people across different fields of psychology or otherwise that would tell you that that is a, a helpful mindset to take. I think that there's a couple of things that make this particularly prevalent in younger generations of people. I think that there is a lot of awareness of injustice that I think is really amplified by social media. Uh, I think that there's also a lot of awareness of some of the larger macro problems that our society faces, even something that feels insurmountable, like climate change, for example. I know a ton of people struggle with 
pretty potent climate anxiety. Do you think that there is a way to reverse this trend of being hyper focused on on the sort of doomer side of looking at the world? Yeah, well, look, social media hasn't helped, and and there was something that we wrote about in in this in a Friday Forward that we talked about um, a couple months ago, but. Uh, I think it was re- regarding the Blitz, kind of in World War II, that ob- objectively, there's probably less bad things going on <laughs> right now in the history of the world, you know, that, that that ever have. The problem is, whenever it happens, it's magnified on on a, on a grand scale and gets to people kind of in seconds. And you know, that sort of constant exposure to things going wrong and trauma or or, or otherwise it makes it really hard, you know, to maintain a mindset. Of, of, of gratitude or, or optimism. But again, if you just looked objectively, do most people in the world wake up today versus history and have more food or less food, you know, more health or less health, you know, more safety or less safety uh, and, and more resources? I, I, I think the answer is generally that, that they'd be better off. You know, but if you take it back 100 years, you know, the person in Iowa wouldn't know about all the horrible things going on maybe in the middle of, of Europe. And you know, that's a good thing or that's a bad thing or, you know, something horrible happens to a kid halfway around the world and, you know, they, they don't see that. And, and some of that's just what you need to get by. Um, I think the narrative we had talked about in the Blitz was if, if you know, why, why, why it wasn't effective is because a large percentage of the population was not impacted every day. And um, so when when they weren't impacted, they would just keep going to work and then a little you know, like the people kind of living uh, in these areas now under constant fire um, and, and and you develop a, res- a resilience. But but if you went to work every day and you watched videos of all the horrible things that happened to those one or two percent of people, then you probably couldn't get out of, of, of bed and do it. So, um, like, I, I, I don't you know, the style, the stuff is designed to be addictive. So I think people have to make a decision, you know, to turn it off. They have to make a decision to step away from it. That's a personal decision. But the education piece is definitely something uh, that, that, that I think, you know, our, our educators and our institutions can, can decide in terms of what we are teaching people and whether we are, you know, the, are, are the narratives that we're teaching people, are they backed by, uh, are they backed by science? Are they opinion? Are they fact? I think that's where our, our, our educational uh, institutions have have a role to play. And again, and what are we what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to make everyone angry about everything and violent and wanting to uprise against everything? I, I don't I don't really see how that's going to get us to to a better world or a better place. I, I, I think a lot of the people who believe deeply in some of these things, and I understand why that, I just I'm not totally clear what the what the end game is. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. 
the new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's funny that you mentioned that Friday Forward that talked about the Blitz. I think that that was the same one, and we can link to it in the show notes, that talked about in the 80s when there was a prevalence of notices about abducted children on milk cartons. And people became petrified of child abductions, even though the threat statistically had actually never been lower. So that's, that's an interesting parallel, I think, with this. Just to double click on that for a sec, uh, I'll steal your term. Um, you know, there weren't, so I think this went on for a decade, putting missing kids on the milk bottles and the data would say, maybe it saved one kid over the decade. Um, but the trauma it caused parents and kids and kids asking about who are these kids on the milk bottles and parents not letting their kids go outside and sort of starting the reduction of play. Uh, it determined every analysis that I have read about is determined it was fundamentally worse on on society to do that. And it's interesting because I think that social media has has really democratized the ability to reach a large number of people with information that is sometimes factual and trustworthy, but sometimes is not. I think that can be overwhelming for people to have to take a stock of something They see a piece of information, say, like a statistic about the economy. And there's tons of arguments about the numbers about our economy right now and the perception, the sort of negative, the bad vibes of the economy. And people have to do a lot of work when they move through the world today. They see something and they think, well, this is what I am seeing. What's the source of this? Is this person credible? Does this person have an agenda for why they're positioning it in a certain way? I think a lot of people do just find that exhausting and that makes all of this stuff harder. But then it also gets to, again, what, what, what can I do about it? Like, well, like, do I just want to read it and become upset about it? Or do I want to do something or, or advocate or, um, you know, improve or in some way? Um, and uh, I, I think that's the big difference. You know, you can start a club against anything, um, but I think it's better to start clubs for things, right? <laughs> you know, cl- club for sunlight rather than the club against darkness. Um, so I, 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 I really, I do worry again, other than specifically some of the narratives and the philosophy that's being uh, told again, it's this focus on be outraged, be angry, be protest. Great. It's great to know how to make a sign and protest. 
it is better to know to start how know how to start an organization that solves the problem that you're talking about. And so you you've written a couple of Friday forwards about the events that have been happening, particularly in the Middle East over the past month. And so you've been pretty pretty vulnerable about how all the news has been affecting you personally. What filter do you personally apply to make sure that this stuff doesn't drag you down and that you don't get too caught up in the, the horror of what you're seeing? Yeah, it's a good example. My filter has definitely been penetrated <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. I think uh, getting news from social media much more than I would reading stuff before bed or in the morning kind of wanted to be up to date. But but I've realized it reminded me I had sort of a, a, a 9-11 moment, you know, at one point where I remember I had been watching the TV after 9-11. I was sitting in my apartment in, in, in Brookline and people were putting signs up of the, you know, kids they couldn't find and 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 why and I just like started crying and and I was just exhausted. I and I just like unplugged the TV and didn't watch it for 24 hours. So um you know, it proves that again, there's a, there are stuff that goes on and then we can determine how much we plug ourselves into the matrix and, and let this stuff impact us. I think there's wanting to be informed, but, but at some point it's just information overload. And I, you know, I've not been as good as I'd want to the last couple of weeks on turning that off. I, I, I've gotten better in the last week or last couple of days because it was definitely starting to impact, but I think any of us can see um, the 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 danger of of ingesting you know too much of this news and 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 knowing particularly that a lot of things in the world and look this is how some of these teachers get headlines and things that appeal to people's threat sensitivities and their threat you know their nature of threat get more attention and I think um, p- teachers want people in their class right and they want to be. Uh, followed. And so to do that, um, it, 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 you know, appealing to people's uh, sort of danger and, and, and sense of danger sometimes is, is a very easy way to do that. The news know, knows that people love that. Um, and, and I think it's the stats people watch, you know, bad news 10 times the one to, to good news. So shifting gears a bit, the, the nuanced road is often the hardest one, but I think the most rewarding in a lot of cases uh, so you are, you're a parent, you have a kid who's in college, you have uh, another kid who's going to college soon, uh, and a third kid as well. Don't want to yeah. ignore, ignore him. <laughs> give, how, give him a few years, yeah. How do you talk to your kids about history? Are you able to help them strike the balance that you talk about needing to strike in this Friday forward between recognizing history and not ignoring it, but also not being confined by it? My my oldest is a history major, so so it's very very close to us. Um, I, I I think that we just try to talk about uh, that there are multiple sides to things, there are multiple perspectives to things. I, I'm aware of some of these campus biases, and so since she went since she went to school, I've talked to her about some of these things and tried to present some of the other viewpoints, which which I think you know that those have you know come to the front and be able to see you know, this week in some of these narratives. And and I, I think, unfortunately, the, the you know, whether it's the far left or the far right, when they use pejoratives in some of these things, they don't, you know, people just tune it out rather than to look and say, well, what, there's some interesting information on on all sides of the argument here that I need to, to look to. So I, I, I try to play the devil's advocate, I, I would say more than anything. Um, and And yeah, again, stress that, 
history is important. And, and, but, but I, again, to me, agency is the most important. You know, I, I love the quote, you're living in the past. Um, you're, you're depressed. If you're living in the future, you're anxious. And if you're, uh, I think it was happy or comfortable, you're living in the presence. And, and that we do talk about a lot, um, in terms of, Hey, what can we learn from this? We not re repeat the mistake, but let's also not always be worrying about the stuff in the future and let's focus on the presence. But I, I think parents need to really understand what their kids are being taught. I, this is an area where I think I was a little um, ignorant and, and in a lot of reading, it's, it's, it's actually a little upsetting some of the things that are being taught. Um, because again, I think some opinions are being taught as fact. It's fine if it's an opinion, but if it's an opinion, then it should be up for discussion and it should be up for challenge and it should not be unilateral or, or, or feel like a fundamentalist concept. Uh, and I think in a lot of school systems these days, you have some things that are are, are, are opinions being presented as, as factual. Hey, Elevate listeners, whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info the ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash elevate this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with shopify you'll harness the same intuitive features trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands sign up today for your one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech all lowercase that's shopify.com slash tech yeah and I, I think that the idea of playing devil's advocate has unfairly gotten a bit of a negative connotation because I think that there's a lot of people that phrase canceled. I, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I think a lot of people do it in bad faith. And I think that a lot of people unfortunately do it to be edgy and not even to be sincere, but it's, it's a really useful exercise to basically say either I'm hearing this perspective or I believe this perspective, what would someone with the opposite of that belief say about it? What would the case that they would want to make be? I mean, there's, this is actually a point to reference another Friday for that you recently wrote about Amanda Knox, Knox the idea yeah. of creating a steel man for your argument. And what is the strongest possible case against your argument? That is, I think, a really good way to pressure test the things that you're talking about. Yeah, what all these schools are missing is is good old fashioned debate club. I think in in in, in sort of a critical thinking class, or uh, uh, as Mitt Romney said, kind of critical debate or respectful debate, you should encourage someone to take the opposite side and 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 take that side really. And what what are the points that the other person would make? 
um, so that you both see them and, and you sit with them. And I loved her steel man thing, which is, you know, which is the concept of, you know, repeating the other person's argument to them so that they agree with it and accept it and say, yeah, you totally understand what I'm saying. And that doesn't mean you agree with it, but at least you framed it to a point where they know that you're you're talking about the same thing. I think too often people are talking across us. I think it would be really interesting. And, you know, it sounds like Dartmouth has has done this a little better than anyone else in terms of getting discussions and cross-functional groups and cross-functional faculty on their campus. <laughs> These are, I know it sounds crazy, but educators educating um, to, to get people having those discussions. And, and, and there's always questions people want to ask and they don't, they're afraid to ask them, but that's, that's kind of real dialogue. And I think people can agree that they, maybe they, you know, disagree on some things, but they probably agree on, on more than they realize. Yeah, it's a really good point. So it's, it's kind of similar to a quote that you referenced earlier, but the quote of the week, which I want to draw attention to is by Roy T. Bennett. And it is, the past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. The past is a place of learning, not a place of living. And so I want to ask, what drew you to this quote? What do you think readers should take from it? Yeah, I, I just thought that quote nailed it, right? It's, 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 we got to learn from the past. We got to get better. We don't want to repeat the same mistakes. I love, you know, leaders who always say, look, it's fine to make mistakes, but we don't want to repeat them. But no one, no one wants to be living in the past. It doesn't work well for the, you know, person who, you know, the high school quarterback for whom that was the, the, the pinnacle of their life and, and, and is living in that movie. I, I mean, you've got to live in the present. You've got to focus on, on the future. And I think you've got to feel it, that you have a, a, a part in that. And, and look, I think we've, we've generally accepted as a society that you are not responsible, or, nor do you get credit for the good or horrible things that you know the 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 people came before you and the generations that came before you. You you get your own sort of clean slate, and and I think without overlooking um, you know past and the things we can learn from, I, I just I think again we'd be a lot better off teaching people uh, agency and control and how to solve a problem and how to use those learnings to focus on going forward, not trying to re-negotiate uh, uh, the past. So thanks everyone for joining us on this new format. If you want to check out the post we just discussed, go to robertglazer.substack.com and look for history lessons. We're going to be testing out this new format for the next month. So look for it in your podcast feed on Saturday mornings. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. 
There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.